podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. As the old paradigms based upon domination, greed, and power come tumbling down all around us, the gentle wisdom of the feminine is rising. Feminine principles, which have been so long devalued, are now being acknowledged as crucial to building a sustainable global community and healing the planet. Compassion, intuition, inclusion, interdependence, mutuality, and collaboration. The local grassroots activism of women in all parts of the world is teaching us how to build sustainable economic models. Women are stepping up to redefine leadership everywhere from Kenya to Kansas, even as they face daunting challenges. John Shea in Stories of God writes, When order crumbles, mystery rises. I see this pattern of emerging feminine wisdom deeply nurtured and brilliantly guided by a spiritual force larger than us all. Women who call upon the divine using many different names and who represent many diverse spiritual traditions are gathering now, united by their vision of a better world, says Kathy Schaaf. Valeria interviews Kathy. She is one of the co-founders of Gather the Women Global Matrix and has anchored numerous collaborative conversations connecting women and women's organizations internationally in the past decade. Her collaborations include several international Gather the Women Congresses, a series of transpartisan dialogues for women and constellations of hope in November 2008, which brought together representatives of 40 North American women's organizations. Kathy is a co-founder of Women of Spirit and Faith, where she currently serves on the core circle. She served as a trustee of the Council for a Parliament of the World's Religions and co-founded their Women's Task Force in 2014. Kathy was an editor and contributing author for Women, Spirituality and Transformative Leadership, where Grace Meets Power, which was published by Skylight Paths in November 2011. She is also an artist who enjoys creating paintings and poetry. To learn more about Kathy and her work, please visit kathyshafe.com and also womenofspiritandfaith.org. Here is the interview with Kathy Shafe. In your own words, who is Kathy Schaff? Well, I think the um, number one thing I am is I'm a mother. I have two uh, grown sons. 
I am a an activist, um, only probably not um, what most people think of when they think of an activist. I'm a spiritual activist, and I have a I believe in the power of, of subtle activism and sacred activism. I am part of a thriving hive of commune of women who are awakening to their spiritual leadership and their calling to show up for the earth at this time. I am, um, like everybody else in the world right now, we are in the grips of the COVID virus and we are living in the mystery. And I too am living in the mystery. And I am a I've been many things. I've been a teacher. I've been a psychotherapist. I've been the executive director of various nonprofit organizations and women's gathering places. I am a believer that humanity is evolving very rapidly right now. And that it's my my role, my opportunity, my um, honor to hold space for that change. And to do what I can to wiggle the web of the divine feminine to help hold us steady as we go through that rather tumultuous process. That all sounds really wonderful to me. And uh, hopefully not for obvious reasons. So uh, you said something interesting, a lot of interesting things, and I have lots of questions for you here. But before my warm-up questions, I have to ask you this question. What is spiritual leadership? It's a new kind of leadership that we haven't seen very much on this planet because we have been in a paradigm that is very patriarchal, very masculine, very um, power over rather than power with. Spiritual leadership comes from a different place. It comes from the center of the circle. It comes from the center of my heart. And I'm guided every day in my actions and in my, in my engagements by my own spiritual practice and by my own understanding of the oneness um, that is at the heart of humanity. Uh, I had goosebumps like everywhere and and that was um, interesting. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book and beyond, your book is titled Women, Spirituality and Transformative Leadership, Where Grace Meets Power. So before we talk about these topics, let me ask you a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned off record. The first one is, What does it mean to be a human being to you? To be a human being is to be in the process of evolving constantly, to be opening, to be understanding more about myself, to be curious about myself and my own process, to be engaged with others, and to be struggling together in the density of uh, the energy on this planet very often. I think we find ourselves at this moment surfing multiple tsunamis at the same time. We're living through climate change 
We're living through this virus. We're living through times of great disruption and um, deconstruction of old patterns, old paradigms, old models of everything from leadership to education to business to government and governance. And the old is crumbling and yet the new has not yet appeared. So as a human being, I'm having to hold the space for that new to appear. And I'm, I'm having to stay grounded and centered and hopeful and positive and loving and joyful in the face of incredible uncertainty and confusion very often. True. I'll be asking you three questions about life itself, open questions. I guess two of them are more specific, but the first one, it's open. What is life to you, Kathy? What is this experience? Not about, but what is it? It is an invitation. It's an invitation to constantly keep opening to new experiences to new emotions, to new awarenesses. It's a dance that I do with others almost all the time. And so life is, is not something that I do alone. I rely upon others for love, for understanding, for connection and interconnection. I need others to collaborate with if I'm going to accomplish anything <laughs> on this planet in right. my lifetime. Yeah. What do you think is the opposite of life? Stagnation, uh, staying, staying frozen in an old paradigm, in an old pattern, being stuck licking an old wound from the past, I, it, grasping at things that I think that I need and blaming others for not having them, that squelches the life force. Um, in order to be alive, you need to be in the moment. And when you get out ahead of yourself with longing for something in the future or with blame for something that happened in the past, you're not alive anymore. You're, you're stuck. You're frozen. You're stagnant. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. What do you think is the purpose or the destination of this experience called life? I have become more and more convinced that we are universal beings. I had a, a wonderful Native American elder um, in the Lakota Reservation say to me back in 2004, the women were together in the stars before the earth was born. And um, I believe that this experiment that we're doing here on this planet called Earth with this, um, this collection of beings called human is an experiment to see if we can evolve to a point where we are pure love, pure light, pure joy, and we return to our star essence. 
we return to a life form that is universal, eternal, and pure love. Thank you so much for your clarity. <laughs> love how clear you are. What is the meaning of freedom to you, Cassie? What is to be free? My freedom is entirely dependent upon me. It's dependent upon my, in my attitude, my choices, my perspective at every moment. And it's to be in attunement, in alignment with my true nature. Um, when I can do that, when I can, can, when I can be centered in my heart, I can be present in the moment. I am completely free. I'm free of resentment. I'm free of limitations. I'm free of frustration and disappointment. My essence is free. Mm -hmm. What do you love the most about being a woman? What I love the most today in this stage of my life about being a woman is the community of women that I get to hang with, that I get to spend time with, that I get to be in deep, authentic relationship with. There is a kind of nurturing that my soul gets um, when I am in the company of other women who are also seekers growing their own spiritual authority that is, it, it feeds my soul. It challenges me at the same time that it supports me. Um, I also know that the feminine is on the rise now, again, after thousands and thousands of years of being repressed and silenced and that that's happening for a reason because the solutions, the answers to many of the problems facing us on this planet lie in a feminine model, a feminine way of doing things. And by that, I mean collaboration, shared leadership, deep listening, the opposite of the dominator model. And I am very excited to be a woman on this planet at this time because what we carry, what we have been carrying um, in our DNA and in our ancestral memory for thousands of years is what this planet needs to heal. What is the most challenging aspect about being a woman? In some ways, the most challenging thing about being a woman has been knowing as at earlier stages in my life, knowing that I had something to offer, um, something that I was carrying, a seed that needed to be planted and not finding any 
recognition of that in the culture, knowing that my 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 ancestors, my great 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 grandmother knew things about alchemy, about healing, about transformation that I would, that I needed to learn, that I didn't get to learn because that wisdom stream was cut off at its root. And that was probably the most challenging thing about being a woman in the first couple turns of the spiral of my life journey. And it wasn't until I hit 50 that I began to, I began to break free. I began to break through that resistance, both within myself and to require it from the people in my life, to require a level of authenticity and connection and sharing that gave me a platform, a place to bring myself, to bring all the aspects of myself. I can relate to it. And I'm sure so many of us can. What is love to you, Kathy? Hmm. Love is not the fluffy thing that it is portrayed to be often. Um, Love is very deep work. It's probably the deepest work that any of us can do. And it's very, very challenging. I'm thinking right now about the way that the United States is so divided. There is so much hatred afoot between different groups of people, between people who think we should be wearing masks or not wearing masks, uh, people who believe one thing and people who believe the opposite. When I can find a place in my heart to have love and compassion for somebody who believes something that breaks my heart, that is the real work of love. It's building bridges across gigantic chasms of difference um, and finding some sort of common ground. And it is very hard work. It takes a great deal of discipline. It takes a great deal of practice. And it's the only thing that can save us. What is your understanding and idea of peace? In some ways, it's similar to what I said about happiness or love or anything else. Peace is an inside job. Um, It's 100% an inside job. And it's finding equanimity and balance by being where you are and being content where you are and having enough where you are and not longing, grasping, craving, and not regretting, feeling shame, feeling guilt, or anything else that happens when we 
get out of the moment and and start looking at the past. So peace comes from being where you are, being awake, being alert, being content. I've had a mantra I've said for many, many years, may I be peaceful and happy and loving and kind. And that's my responsibility every minute Mm -hmm. and only my responsibility. Nobody else can give that to me. So true. Yes. What, where, and who is God to you? Hmm. That's so interesting. I've had a lot of conversations about that lately. More than, more than usual. More than, I mean, that specific question seems to be up for a lot of people. I believe one of my friends, Jeanette Clancy, has written a book called God is Not Three Guys in the Sky. And I love that title. God is an energy that we are all a part of. We have the capacity within us to join God in being love, in being light, in being kind, in being authentic. We all are an aspect of God. And we don't need an intermediary, a priest, a minister, a rabbi, um, a guru to bring us to God. We can find God if we sit still and listen. I, when I talk about God these days, I very consciously use a feminine pronoun. I say she, because we have spent... 2,000 years now using all masculine pronouns to describe God. And it has contributed to the dominator culture. It has contributed to the mess that we have found ourselves in. And so I consciously use she and her when I speak to God, when I think about God, and when I talk about God. Because it's time that we acknowledge that God exists beyond gender. And there are a whole, a whole toolbox of very important tools, spiritual tools that we have never opened that are grounded in the feminine, that are grounded in feminine principles and feminine community and feminine mysticism and feminine teachings. I'm a big devotee of Mary Magdalene's who may have been the only one of the apostles who really understood the message that Christ was trying to bring. And in the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, you see how the masculine energy of the early church could not grasp that understanding of God and silenced it and buried it in the desert, (laughs) literally. (laughs) I believe that God is yearning for us 
to understand and live from a balanced understanding of the divine. A question came to mind. I'll be asking you now. It's not one of my questions here, but for some reason it came, so I'll ask you. Talk to me for a moment about feminism versus the balance between the divine feminine and the divine masculine within us. Well, in a lot of ways, I believe that feminine feminism has gotten a bad rap and has been associated in a lot of ways with um, a movement based in anger, based itself in um, trying to open the door for women to do things to be able to do anything a man can do and to do it very often in the way that men did it with the energy of conquest that men brought to the table. I actually was reminded by um, someone years ago that when a tree has been bent by the wind for 2,000 years in one direction, you have to stake it back in the other direction for a while before it can come back to balance, before it can stand straight. And so there, there is a way that we are in an awkward time right now where women are trying to find their own voices individually and become a force collectively in the culture. And I believe that the way that that will happen is through the portal of the divine feminine. That when women are moving out into the world, whether they are teachers, whether they are newly elected first-time female governor of their state or the first-time um, female senator representing their district or whether it's the first female president, should we ever um, be graced with such a thing, that the only way that women will really create change is that they are grounded in the divine feminine and lead from that place, speak from that place, write and act and move from that place and not from some story from the past about what was done to women by patriarchy. I acknowledge that what was done to women by patriarchy is appalling and still is today and has been for thousands of years. But our true leadership will come when we are standing, being held in the lap of the divine feminine and being her force, her voice, her hands, her feet, her ears to hear, her eyes to see, hear on this planet. What are some of the qualities of the divine feminine, Kathy? The divine feminine represents a wholeness 
and a oneness. It restores wholeness and oneness to the divine. Um, that's, for me, the most important thing. Joan Chittister is a feisty um, Benedictine nun who's written oodles of books and is fond of saying that humanity is a bird with only one wing because women have been shut out of leadership in every arena around the world. And, and humanity will never be able to fly until that second wing is restored. So let me um, ask you, how did you become a writer? <laughs> I, I think I, I was writing mystery stories when I was in second grade. I just, I liked to write. I, I was drawn toward it. And I was also drawn toward mysteries. Um, and the, the mystery of the missing divine feminine is now my favorite mystery. But I wrote mystery stories when I was, you know, in second and third and fourth grade. I just, I, I taught, I was a high school English teacher for seven years. I, and I, I, I can, I write effortlessly. That was just always something that I could do. What is the difference between wisdom and knowledge? The first thing that came into my mind is um, knowledge lives in your head and wisdom comes from your heart. Um, wisdom comes from experience, it comes from human experience. It is an interweaving of physical experiences, emotional experiences and spiritual experiences. And knowledge is more of an intellectual exercise. It's more of um, anybody can do it if they do enough research. Anybody can, can learn anything. But the, the lessons you learn through life and possibly through multiple lifetimes can't be taught to anyone. They are your own particular wisdom footprint. And they are, they are what, the, what the world needs now is for people to be more in touch with their own wisdom lineage. Yeah, I like the way you connected wisdom to the energies of the heart and knowledge coming from the domain of the mind. Right? That most of us confuse as the, um, as the being, as it, but... It's just a tool. Talk to me for a moment about Gather the Women Global Matrix and also the Women of Spirit and Faith. In um, 2002, I was part of a circle of about 12 women who launched a global women's imprint called Gather the Women. And Gather the Women was a direct reaction to the events of 9-11. It was a group of women who all sort of had the same wake-up call that it was time for women's voices to be heard. My own personal experience on 9-11 is I was a mother with two elementary-aged elementary school aged sons. 
watching these events on my television in in Southern California. And when I saw the second tower collapse, I ran from the room because I knew I was going to cry and I didn't want to impose my tears on my boys. And I was standing in my living room and I very distinctly heard a voice in my heart say, this kind of thing would never happen in a world where the voices of women were heard. And I knew that to be true. And I immediately began to seek out um, gatherings of women where I might discover what I was supposed to do with those words. <laughs> and and Gather the Women was born out of that group of women who came together with a similar feeling. And it was a very radically new kind of invitation. We were not telling women what they should believe. We were not telling women what they should do. We weren't coming with answers. We were coming with questions Mm -hmm. and asking women where they lived to start gathering in circle with other women and listening to each other, listening each other into, into their own articulating their own wisdom. And, um, that invitation we put out globally we invited women to do an event anywhere that they lived, whether it was a gathering of three women in your living room or whether it was a gathering of 3,000 in a soccer stadium mm-hmm. somewhere, mm-hmm. but to gather women on International Women's Day of 2003, which is March 8th. And we set up a website where people could register their presence, and they could register any gathering that they were hosting. And was it open to the public or was it a private gathering? And we had no money. We had no staff. We were all volunteers. We worked entirely virtually online, sending out emails um, and directing people to our website. And by the time March 8th of 2003 rolled around, we had 4,500 women from 76 countries Mm -hmm. registered on our website, Mm -hmm. which told us something was happening here. (laughs) And, um, and, And this invitation was resonating with women. I was part of Gather the Women for many years. And then, um, in 2009, this new organization, Women of Spirit and Faith, came into being. And and its invitation was a little bit different. It was an invitation for women to step into their spiritual leadership, both women who are affiliated with an existing religion and women who are spiritual but no longer identified with a particular religion. I have a question about the word faith. It's somehow connected to the idea of God. I'm wondering if it is the same as hope and trust, if you use it, the word faith in that way as well. That's a very interesting question. 
years ago, somebody said to me, because I was using the word hope in a conversation, and she said, I really prefer the word faith because to me, it's hope with feet. Mm-hmm. That's cute. That, that felt true to me. That resonated. That resonated with me um, very strongly. And I do believe that faith, um, of all the words that you, I think you use trust and hope as contrasts, I believe that faith is, is the more potent of those three words because it is attached to the divine. You'll notice that I don't use the word God real often to describe the divine because it plays right into that old paradigm that, that God is three guys in the sky. And I'm a force on this planet to take that particular paradigm apart, Mm. brick by brick. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but but the divine is an energy that all of us can tap into and it can be a source of guidance it can be a source of comfort it can be um a container large enough to hold me in the middle of this mystery yeah for some reason i connect a lot more with the word trust not faith. Faith makes the mind kind of connect with religious beliefs and the ideas of God as a man. I no, I I don't particularly. I don't. I've had to walk away from the church of my childhood and the teachings of my childhood in order to find a new relationship with the sacred. And and once I did that, then I was no longer worried about this word faith. So I have a few more questions for you. We're almost at the end, Kathy. I'll ask you this question. In your book, I noticed that you have a section called Exploration 3. And you ask an important question to me. You said, how do we stand for the greatness of each other? which made me think about supporting other women. Yes. Yeah, talk to me about that for a moment. Well, yeah, I I think that that is probably one of the most important questions because there is a long, long, <laughs> long history of women being turned against one another, pitted against one another because we had uh, we had less power the only way we got our power was through men and we often were competitive with one another for a few scraps off of the men's table um i remember being in istanbul and touring topkapi palace and the harem building there in the in the palace compound And there is a hallway in the harem building that's called the Golden Passageway. And the reason it's called that, it's a narrow hallway with ancient um, stone 
benches basically lining both sides. And the women of the harem would come in in their best dresses, wearing their best perfume and and as alluring as they can possibly be. And they would line those benches and the sultan would walk down the hallway. And if he was pleased with you, he would throw you a handful of coins or jewels. Um, he'd hand out the goodies. Um, and, and when I was in that space, you could literally still feel the competitive cutthroat energy that was created by that activity in that space. I believe the most powerful thing that women can do now is to come together, support one another, stand in a place of having enough for yourself that you can genuinely, authentically celebrate the successes of your sisters and and not come from a place of envy, not come from a place of scratching each other's eyes out for a few crusts of bread from the master's table. And, and that paradigm is one I believe we have it within our power to transform almost instantly. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And I guess that leads me to my next question about unconditional self-love. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I believe it's very, very important, and I believe it's very, very hard to achieve that place. One of the things I learned when I was getting my master's degree in clinical psychology is the words of a famous child psychologist, Winnicott, that no human being has a perfect mother. Um, It's impossible to be perfectly attuned to your infant child, that the best you can be, in Winnicott's words, is a good enough mother. And a good enough mother will often fail her infant child, (laughs) will, will not be perfectly attuned to them and their needs, and that that creates in the infant child a a crack in its self-love that in Winnicott's assessment, we are all born with a deficit in that regard just by being human, by being born the way humans and mammals are born. (laughs) And I strive for that. Um, it is part of my own daily practice that if I can, if I can have compassion and unconditional love for myself, then I will have it for everyone and everything. And it is, it is a profound, ongoing, difficult spiritual commitment Worth trying. <laughs> yes, definitely worth trying. <laughs> definitely having as, as a goal 
um, as, as an awareness, as a consciousness. So I have a few more questions, final questions they are. Before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? The book is summarized in a lot of ways, and the work that I am doing is summarized in a lot of ways by these words. As a woman of spirit and faith, you know something important about this moment in human history. You know it from your rich experiences in the world, and you know it from a place of deep wisdom within. Your unique pattern of knowing is part of a larger pattern of feminine wisdom being called forth at this time in service of this earth and of humanity. And I believe that those words, even though they were written in 2010 and published in 2011, are more important in today's world than they even were then. <laughs> True. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Kathy. And I have three more questions. What is another word for earth? Home. <laughs> um, mother. Um, yeah. Yeah. Our home, our mother. Yeah. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? No. No. Great answer. <laughs> I really wouldn't. At the, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, because, well, partly because I can't, you know, and, um, and it feels almost like a, a waste of energy to wish for something that I don't have the power to do. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I know that we are in the midst of a huge, profound transition right now as, as humanity on this planet. That's one thing I know. I know that the stakes are very high, not just for humanity, but for the winged ones and the two-leggeds and the four-leggeds and all of the living essences on this planet. This is a time of a lot of death, a lot of, a lot of potential danger for all living beings. And the third thing that I know is that the only thing that will truly help us in this moment is love, is to love Earth, our home, the way she deserves to be loved, to love all her creatures um, and beings and essences as we love ourselves. Wow. Thank you so much for your profound wisdom and wonderful presence. Thank you. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Uh, womenofspiritandfaith.org. And I also have a personal website, Kathy Schaff, K-A-T-H-E-S-C-H-A-A-F.com. 
Thank you so much again, Kathy, and we'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Kathy Schaaf and her work, please visit kathyshaaf.com and also womenofspiritandfaith.org. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.